This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So 2020, what a year. Thank God, 2020 is almost over. Hallelujah. So there have been a few moments this year that I have been wanting to just fast forward into the new year. Just thinking, getting this year over, but I know some people have said, now, before we go into 2021, we need to read the fine print. What is coming, we're not sure, but we believe it's going to be better than this year. Okay, so to fast forward things a little bit, and to help us all out, I have planned for New Year to happen right now. Hallelujah. Of my hat, of my blower, I have a countdown. Let's play my countdown. Praise the Lord. You must, be, you must celebrate with me now. <sighs> Come on. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Okay, now I just wanted to um, fast forward things a little bit and get into the new year. So that's something to be thankful for. I don't know how this year has been uh, for you. For some of us, it's been really, really tough seasons. Obviously, some of us have been, had, had good times, and, and we're thankful for that. But uh, something that we can be thankful for is whenever we're going through a difficult season, we can be thankful. Okay, so I want to share with you today think about Thanksgiving. Thank God, 2020 is almost over, and I want to share a few things with you. So last week, I shared about uh, the, the flesh. I sh- we've been doing the series on the battlefield of the mind, and I've been sharing that if you win the fight in your mind, then ultimately you're going to, fight, you're going to win the fight in life. Okay, so if you, if you win here, you're going to win in life. And so last week, I shared that the flesh... Our sinful nature causes massive mind corruption. So it's one thing to say, man, I'm going to believe the truth, and I'm going to declare the truth, and I'm going to just, I believe, you know, it doesn't matter how well you've renewed your mind. If you step into the flesh or you feed the flesh, your sinful nature begins to dominate you, and you step into massive mind corruption. Okay, that was last week. Now this week, I want to share with you something and another aspect of the sinful nature, uh, it's, it's called the root of all vices, the root of all sins. Now, all other sins flow from this one thing. I want to show you how you can break out of that, be cured of that through the power of thanksgiving, the power of thanksgiving. Okay, so that's what I want to share with you about is how you can step into Thanksgiving and break out of those negative um, things in your life. So sometimes bad things happen. You agree? Sometimes bad things happen. And we look at the whatever happened and we're like, man, this is just, just bad. All you can see is bad. You don't see any good thing. But the truth is when we look at things from God's perspective, then you're going to see something good. 
You're always going to find something good because he's good. Okay, so you want to look at what is good. So I heard this story a few years ago, which is really, uh, I think, a great illustration of this principle. So in September 2001, a couple were late for their plane in the United States. They were quite upset about missing the flight. They missed the flight, and you know, like, oh, it's your fault, and you were late, and you took too long. Ultimately, that's normally how we act. They will respond like, oh, I missed that thing, or that didn't work, and you think, oh, this is terrible. Well, in their case, that, that flight ultimately crashed into the Twin Towers. It's a great flight to miss. It's a great flight to miss. And I think sometimes there are moments in our lives where, where we, we actually feel something has gone wrong. But ultimately, it turns out for good. But the story goes on. So um, the dad of the husband was terrified when he heard that this plane crashed. So he tried to find out if his son was on the flight. He wasn't. He was thankful. They were speaking over the phone. And his dad is a retired fireman from New York. So he went out to go and help. He said to his son, son, I need to go and help many people's lives at stake. So his dad went to the Twin Towers and he died as those buildings came down. Another tragedy. But what's worse is that this man, this dad, didn't know Jesus. He didn't want anything to do with God. So it was a tragedy for them. But six months later, there was a knock on the door and there was a couple. And the couple had a small baby in their arms and they were asking if so-and-so's son is here. And the guy said yes. And so they shared the story. The woman was working at the Twin Towers. She was very pregnant and there was a fireman there who saved her. He carried her down many flights of stairs, and while he carried her down, all the way down, I mean, like many of them, there's a hundred plus stories, but as, she, as he carried her down, she shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when they got to the bottom, this fireman, fireman, his dad, went on his knees and committed his life to Christ. Then he ran up again to go save people, and he died, having surrendered his life to Jesus. Now, I think that's just so beautiful because out of the context of eternity, even though someone dies, you keep on living in eternity. For the believer, death isn't a loss. It's a graduation. But I love this because they didn't know that story until six months later. They didn't know the good that happened until someone gave them the bigger picture. And I think that, I think one day when you and I step into eternity... When we step into heaven, there's going to be a whole many stories, unfinished stories that you and I are going to hear. And then you're going to say, oh, wow, so that's what God actually planned with that. And that's how God turned that for good. And that's how he turned that for good. It's going to be incredible. I think we're going to just be gobsmacked. We're going to be like, wow, God, you are amazing. The point is, God is good. God is in charge. Everything that happens isn't his will, but he turns even bad things into something beautiful. But we need to look for the good. We need to find the good in every situation. You see, thanksgiving is a powerful force. 
It's a powerful force. Thanksgiving gives us eyes to see the goodness of God. You see, the goodness of God is all around us. There are incredible things happening around us right now. I'm going to explain to you as we continue. I'm going to help you see some of the incredible things that we miss. We, we look past it. But there are so many good things happening in our lives right now, today. But we go through life missing it. Missing the opportunity to see it. Missing the opportunity to celebrate it. And then we miss those be- the, the eyes to see all the good. Okay, so Thanksgiving is a powerful force that helps us to see. Now the truth is, evil is a reality in our world. Evil wants to distort your thoughts. Evil wants you to become like it. Evil wants you to become dark, bitter, and proud. Especially by causing us to focus on the negatives in our lives. I mean, if you go, our natural human instinct is we see the negatives. It's not hard. It's not like, oh, I'm seeing a negative. Well done. You are amazing. No. That's like just so easy. We see the negatives. That's standard. But to see the good, that takes faith. That takes grace. And so I want to help you to see the good. When we look at things from God's perspective, you're going to see some good things. So here's a powerful principle. To help you find, to help you steer your thoughts into the right direction. Okay, it's a healthy mindset principle. Look for the good in every situation. And the enemy cannot twist your thoughts. Look for the good in every situation. And the enemy cannot twist your thoughts. The enemy is continuously trying to twist your thoughts. We're talking about the battlefield of the mind. We're talking about winning the fight in life, so you need to win it here. You cannot allow the enemy to twist your thoughts. You need to find the good. So you ask that question, what's the good in this situation? What is it? If you can't find it, ask God to show you. What is the good in this? What can I be thankful for in this? And then you begin to count your blessings. Okay, so what is this root of all vices. What is this root of all sins? Well, let's go to a C.S. Lewis quote. He says, pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Pride. It's the complete anti-God state of mind. So we want the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ in Jesus. But pride, the prideful mindset is the complete opposite. It is the anti-God state of mind. If you think about it, it is through pride that the devil became the devil. He was a high angel in heaven. And through pride became evil. Pride turns the highest of angels in heaven into devils. And it happens to us as well as, as, as humanity. Another bit of a quote there by C.S. Lewis. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, if you're looking down, you can't see God. 
Pride is to look down upon others. Pride is to find fault. Pride is to criticize. Pride is to judge. Pride is to look down. And then ultimately you cannot look up and see God. And that same pride that was in the devil at original sin when, when, when mankind was deceived by evil, that same pride, that same poison began to run in the bloodstream of mankind. Every one of us are born in sin. Every one of us have this poison running through our veins. It's called pride. It's the flesh. It is at the root of the flesh. It's about exalting self. It is about looking down on others. It is about saying, I'm going to do it. I don't need God in this or in that. It's that, that uh, disconnect from God. You see, that poison runs through our veins. And it's the anti, it leads to the anti-God mindset. Okay, so I want to help us to break out of pride. Because the thing is, you see pride in everybody else. It's easy. It's like, ah, pride, yeah, pride, yeah, oh, that's ugly. And myself, it's hard to see it in yourself. It's hard to see it because pride blinds us. So it's hard to see it in yourself. So I'm going to help us to tackle this. So I was, uh, we were watching this movie called Interstellar. There's a slide there, Interstellar movie. Now, it's brilliantly made, award-winning director, great storytelling, yet it is so empty. The movie leaves you empty at the end. And the reason is, is that, you know, the, the, the plot is basically this, like, like the earth is dying. Mankind, we've messed it up. And so now we need to go to another planet. We need to find another inhabitable planet so that we can move as mankind. We can move there. So mankind works at this whole thing of saving mankind. But now God or gods sort of appear. There are these moments where it seems there's an external force helping mankind to save mankind. And it looks like there's this God figure or figures that is helping mankind. And then it came out... Sorry to spoil it now, but it came out that it was simply mankind that evolved into God's status. So we became God, and God, we saved ourselves. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's just so empty. That is as empty and cold as space itself. If we have to think that we have to save ourselves. I think the highest virtue in life, the highest goal in life is to know God, is to discover Him, is to have intimate relationship with the living God, the God who created everything. And then here it's just, no, we save ourselves. You meet yourself. I'm like, ah, oh, it's boring. I want, to, I want Him. But that is, I think, at the root of it, if you, if, you, if, you, if you watch trends in the world, it normally comes back to this. We become God. Either you worship God, the one true God, or you become God. Especially when you say there is no God. Well, then you just worship yourself. You become your God. And you're going to save yourself. Or not. <laughs> you can't. So anyway, so that movie just really spoke to me of this trend, this spirit of the world that we become God. Instead of just worshiping God. So yeah, that's, that's pride at its, at its core. So why give honor? Why give honor to the one who made everything when... When you are God yourself. So pride causes even the highest angels to become devils. Pride is a poison to the mind. 
the flesh corrupts our thinking processes. So you want to get this out. And pride manifests as complaining, criticism, judgment, looking down upon others, exalting self. It turns the best of us into the worst of us. Pride is ugly. So look at this. Proverbs 16, verse 18 in the message. It says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Bigger the ego, the harder the fall. First pride, then the crash. Pride always sets us up to fall. And you're not even aware and you become blind. You're like, I know. I have the answers. I don't listen to people. I, have, I, I know what to do. And then you, you find yourself walking on the edge of this cliff. And you're not even aware you're on the edge of the cliff. And other people are like, hey, you're on the edge of the cliff. And you're like, stuff off. I know. I listen to no one. That's pride. And then you fall off that cliff and you get hurt. You get injured. It, it leads to the crash. It leads to the, to the action. So pride opens the way to deception. Pride opens the way to a hard heart. Pride sets us up for trouble. Pride ultimately blinds. So some years ago, 2005 and 2006, I mean, since I became a believer in 1996, I've always been quite passionate about God and pursuing the Lord. And so in 2005, 2006, I, uh, I felt led to fast, to fast food, to just fast on water, only water for 14 days. And then a few months later, I felt 21 days, so I fasted for 21 days on water only. So anyway, I don't know how I did it. But in the process, I became proud. I started to look down on other believers. I thought like, but, but look at me. I pray for so many hours every day. And look at these other people. They don't pray. They don't seek the Lord like I do. They don't fast. And the result was I became spiritually proud. I started to look down on others. I started to judge others. I didn't realize that my capacity to pursue God is a gift from the Lord. My capacity to pray four hours or to fast or do anything, I mean, these days just to fast one day, is grace. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I became spiritually proud. And, uh, and, and, and the Lord set me up. In that season, He set me up because I started to look down on my leaders, my, my church, the church leaders. I was a student pastor. I looked down upon the senior pastor and other leaders. I felt they're not spiritual enough. They don't hear the voice of God. I hear the voice of God. And so the Lord set me up where I felt I heard something from, the, from God. Like, this is going to happen on that date. I had specifics, like date and the confirmations. And it was just like, oh, it's going to be. And I thought, like, man, it's the launch of my international prophetic ministry. <laughs> it was a very quick end to my international prophetic ministry. But in that season as well, I... And, and before that, I was just like, I, I guess I was just insecure. I just felt like if I'm really of God, and if I have a big call upon my life, I don't listen to people. I only hear straight from the top, straight from the Lord. So I didn't listen to my wife, and I would just hear things and do wild things. I just give away your car. I give away the car. Do this, and I would do that. And my wife felt incredibly insecure, because she just didn't know what I'm going to do next. And I thought, man, I'm being spiritual. I'm following Jesus. 
And actually, I was just being proud and stupid. Oh, I gave a car away. How stupid can you be, man? But anyway. <laughs> but so in the process, it backfired. It was undeniable. I missed it. The date came. Whatever was supposed to happen didn't happen. My leadership saw it. Everybody in church knew it. I looked like a complete fool. It was so hard. It was so hard. So I was put under discipline. I didn't preach for months. I was ultimately, you know, put in an admin job and whatever else. So it was a really tough season. I was, man, I was broken. Felt like a failure. Everything just started. But in that season, it was so beautiful because my wife told me, Andre, I don't have peace about this before it was clear that I was deceived. I don't have peace about this. I don't, I'm not sure, you know. She was trying to speak to me, but I wasn't willing to listen. And so when the crash happened and all the pain and, I've, man, it was a really, really tough season. She didn't, like, throw it in my face. She didn't say, ah, oh, I told you so. Stupid man. No, she didn't. She honored me and she supported me. I made her look stupid as well in the process. We look stupid. But... God used it so powerfully because I learned there I need to humble myself. The Lord humbled me. I realized that everything that works in my life is a gift from the Lord. The capacity to get up in the morning and pray. And so in the process, the Lord knitted me and Sonica together in a beautiful, beautiful way. I started to listen to her. I started to hear her. I started to allow her to speak into my life. And now if I hear anything from the Lord, I taste it. Tested with my wife, tested with the elders, if you know anything significant. But I discovered this truth. I can be deceived. That's a profound thought. Especially for us who are super spiritual. We see angels and demons and oh, you know, it's like deep. Those of us who see things like that, we are especially prone to deception. Because we think we're more spiritual than the rest. I hear. I see. You know, and then when it comes to us as a church, because we tend to pursue more of the fullness of the Spirit than, say, some other churches, we can also like, oh, we are spiritual. Hey, I pray in tongues. Can you see my cape flowing there at the back now? You know, oh, I'm spiritual, I'm deep, you know. <laughs> and then we look down on others, and we judge others, and we exalt ourselves, and we don't realize that everything that we have that works is a gift from God. Amen. Humility. Humility. It's, it, it, it is profound. <laughs> It sets things up. It causes God to pour grace out into us. Humility it sets things up where we can meet with God in a, in a beautiful way. Pride leads to a crash. So pride opens their way to deception. Pride says, man, I don't need God. I've achieved this or that. Or on, on another level, pride just basically says, I have achieved this. So a, a few weeks ago, we, we ha were having supper as a family, and so Sonic and I were, were sitting and speaking to our son, Vian, and then he said something, he's 11, and he said something that he, like, Sonic and I were looking at one another like, what? He said something that just, where he basically looked down upon other 
young people at, in his class. And it was like just so, such a proud statement. Like he's better than them in something. And so Sonic and I looked at one another like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> let's talk. So for the next 40 minutes, our son had a teaching on humility and pride. And I, and, and I asked him this question. Okay, so Vian, you're grade six. Let's compare your life to mine when I was in grade six. In grade six, for me, my parents were going through a divorce. There was chaos. There was confusion. It was a mess. My family didn't know Jesus. It was just like I was living under my full potential in Christ. What have you received? A mommy and daddy who loves Jesus, who loves one another, stable family. We follow Jesus. We believe in you. You know, your mom sits with you every afternoon helping you with your studies. That's why you are number one in your grade. My wife should be also walking up on the stage when they give those uh, trophies. Whereas if you get out of the way, give it to Sonica. <laughs> Let's give credit where credit is due. <laughs> so, so we looked at it because he's like, you know, all these things are happening and things are coming together and he's a prefect and he's number one in the grade. And I'm like, Vian, what have you achieved that wasn't given to you on a platter? And he was like, hmm, that's a good point. Thank you, mommy. <laughs> but we don't realize how much has been given to us. How much is a gift from God? And that leads to, I have achieved it. No, we haven't achieved anything. If anything works, it is the grace of God. Okay, so look at this, the mind of Christ in Philippians 2, verse 5. And I want to apply the whole concept or truth of humility to our relationships. So it says there in Philippians 2, 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. The same mindset. As Christ. Verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Verse 7, rather, he made himself nothing. Can you imagine that? Nothing. Come on, say nothing. Nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So here you have God, the creator of everything. And he humbles himself and becomes a servant to his created creatures, created beings. This is massive. And it says, in your relationships, have the mindset of Christ. And it says, humble yourself. Become a servant. Lower yourself by esteeming others higher than yourself. That's what Jesus did. He came from heaven to earth to ultimately lift all of us higher so that we can have relationship with the Father. It's beautiful, but it's called humility. He became a servant. He washed feet. He gave his life. He fed and gave of himself to the created beings. It's, it is amazing. But humility is to esteem others higher than ourselves. It enables us to look up and to see God, to see His goodness all around us. So how's your eyes doing? Are you seeing the goodness of God? Are you seeing the grace of God in your life? Do you realize everything that God has given to you that you've not earned or worked for, but it was given to you as a gift? There are so, so many things. So a lifestyle of thanksgiving immunizes us from pride. You see, you can't be truly, truly thankful and proud. 
You can't. It's the one or the other. And so if we build out a, 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 an attitude, a lifestyle of thanksgiving, realizing how much has been poured out into us, given to us, we're going to break out of pride. We're going to break out of pride. The, the older I become in God, the more I realize, oh, wow, it's a miracle that I'm still in the ministry. It's a miracle that I survived that offense and didn't walk out of the ministry. It's a miracle that our marriage is still working beautifully. It's a miracle our son is still alive. You know, you get so many things. If you look back at your life, you just realize, well, that was, that was grace that I survived that car accident or I survived that or this worked out. It is the grace of God. So humility is an understanding that, number one, I am not God and that every good thing comes from him. Every good thing. Every good thing. Look at this, Psalm 100 verse 3. It says, know that the Lord, He is God. He is God. Know it. He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Do you see there? It is He who made us. You wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for God who made mankind, designed us, gave us life. We wouldn't even be here. He made us, not we ourselves. There are no self-made people on the planet. It's all by the grace of God. And then it says, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I have sad news to all of us, but you are a sheep. God calls you a sheep. A sheep are just sad. Just sad. Go check out a sheep anytime you get It's terrible. It's just like, a, and the sheep dies. It's just like it's dead. It's just like sheep. Sheep needs a shepherd. Sheep needs help. And so you and I, we need help. We need God. And we need the people around us. So if Jesus came, Humbled God came and humbled himself to come and serve. How much more should you and I humble ourselves to serve others? How much more should we do it? Thanksgiving gives us eyes to see the goodness of God. Pride blinds us. Pride is the worship of self. You can't be thankful and proud at the same time. Psalm 16 verse 2. It says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, apart from you, I have no good thing. Everything comes from Him. All good things come from Him. Apart from you, God, I have no good thing. So how do you become thankful? Count your blessings. Make a list. Make a list. Thank you for this, Lord. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. We do this sometimes as a family. We just make a list of things and we just share with one another. Uh, while we're having supper or dinner, or Sonic and I will just share with one another what we're thankful for. I tell you, it does something to your heart, and suddenly you are present. It's beautiful. Okay, so then it says, clothe yourself in humility. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 to 6. I want to give you a few tips, practical tips, to how to clothe yourself in humility, specifically in your relationships. So it says there, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And he says, and all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. 
Clothe yourself with humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. Who's the proud? The proud are those who don't clothe themselves with humility in their relationships. That's how you know. It's easy to say, well, I hear straight from, the, from heaven itself. Angels appear to me and they tell me what I must do for today. Uh, no. Humility is seen in your relationships. Are you, are you open for others to speak into your life? Do you ask others to speak into your life? Do you allow others to, to challenge you on certain aspects of your character or your behavior? Are you open? That, that is the key of true humility. So then it says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. How do you humble yourself under the mighty power of God? By allowing others to speak into your life. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. There's this blessing that flows. So last week I spoke about the flesh. And we, we shouldn't feed the flesh. Because otherwise it leads to destruction. If we feed it too much, it begins to dominate us. Corrupted mindset and trouble. So we all are tempted and challenged in certain areas of our lives. We're all differently wired, but we all are tempted on one level or another. And that's why we need people around us. So with my wife, she has the right to, she is like, if the Holy Spirit isn't convicting me yet, she's probably going to help. Just by being present. She's just present. I'm already feeling convicted. You know, about <laughs> but in our relationships, they, they, we're supposed to help one another. We're supposed to challenge one and say, hey, uh, the way you spoke there, that's, that's not cool. You know, or the, what, what you're watching there, are you sure watching a 16LSNV, whatever else? Is, do you think that is good for your heart? <laughs> you know, I, I can, when I watch things with Sonic, it's like, the, it's like a, 18, it's a, a, a PG-8. And we're already like, ooh, it's a bit volt. <laughs> no, not that bad, but... But we check everything we expose ourselves to. We go online, we check this movie, the reviews, what people say, parents say, what things are in it. Do they use the name of Jesus, a cuss word? Then we don't watch it. You know, but so we, they, they, there's an accountable relationship. We're both calling, we, as in our marriage, we call one another higher, to a higher level of purity and holiness. Do you have people like that around you to challenge you? A brother, sister in Christ, spouse, to say, hey, come on, let's... Let's do this together. That is part of humility, being open to challenge your partner and willing, willing to receive from your partner. Clothe yourself in humility. Okay? So the first one there speaks about the accepting uh, the authority of leaders to speak into your life. But then the next part is, okay, so what does it look like, say, in a marriage? This can, you can apply this for any relationship, but especially in a marriage... I want to touch on it just quickly. What does humility look like in a marriage relationship? Well, one of the main things is a willingness to listen. A willingness to listen, not just so I listen to you so that I can come back with my argument to show that I am right. No. A willingness to listen, to understand. To understand. Come on, say it. To understand. Now, you can apply this in your work environment. You can apply it in your families. You can apply it anywhere with your friends. The key is not, uh, I'm listening and I'm already making all my arguments and I'm going to come back. When you moment you stop talking, I'm coming at you to show I am right. No, that's not humility. Humility is, I assume I don't understand you. It's like, 
when God originally made mankind. He made them male, and then he made them female. And he's like, <laughs> have fun with that. Just try and figure that one out. It's incredible. I mean, all my counseling scenarios, when we're sitting with couples, I'm just like, come on, you're speaking male, you're speaking female, you're missing one another. It's different. And then we need to put that to where we need to stop and we need to listen to understand. We need to put ourselves in the other person's shoes because that's what Jesus did. He came out of heaven all the way, became mankind into our skin, into our flesh to live in our shoes, to experience what we experience, to have the same temptations, to go through everything we do because he, he, he came humbly. He put himself in our shoes and for 30 years he didn't do anything that we know of. And then when it was time, he brought life. In the same way, it says, have the same mindset as Christ in your relationship. How do you do it? Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Assume you're not understanding. Promise you, ladies, you do not understand a man. I guarantee you, you do not understand. And men, you also, as you should know by now, you do not understand. Okay, so good, that's solved, that's sorted. Now, listen to understand. Say again, I say again. Explain again. Explain again. Because I just see how how people miss one another. And then it's pain and it's uh, not the way it should be. And then pride kicks in. Like, I'm going to show you I am right. It is not about being right. It's about being Christ-like. Amen? It's not about being right. Yeah, you can be right all the way to the divorce court. Nuh-uh. In marriage, it's always about humbling ourselves. It's always about both parties apologizing. It's always about both parties have something to say, hey, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That's how it works with me and Sonica. I mean, in our relationship, she is wrong 90% of the time. And, and, when, it, and when there's stuff, she's 90%. It's, it's her. It's her. Obviously, no one believes me now. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's normally me, okay? 90% me, 10% Sonica. But she can say sorry for her 10%. I can say sorry for my 10% or 90% or 50% or whatever it is. It is never like it's all you. And I see this so many times in relationships. It's like, that's the other one. Well, yeah, that's going to work out well for you all the way to the divorce court. It's the other one. No. It's, uh, yeah, okay, they have some issues, but I can up my game. I can up my, I can always be more loving. I can always be more kind. I can always have invested more in my partner. I can always be more romantic. Guys, hear me now. I had my wife shouting hallelujah, amen in the first service when I said, guys, you can be more romantic. You can. Before you start pointing fingers and she's emotional and she doesn't want to, you know, you know, do what, what, you know. But have you invested in the love tank? Have you been romantic? Have you said you love her? Do you, have you said you care about her? Have you written that card? Have you taken her, taken her out for, for supper? Have you, have you invested? The Bible says it's sow and you shall reap. So sow good seeds and you're going to reap blessings. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 <laughs> 
So stop blaming the other party. You cannot change your partner, but you can change yourself. You can, with the help of God. Amen. Okay, come on. Clothe yourself with humility. Step into the shoes of Christ. Be, put, step into the shoes of, of the other party. Listen to understand. And you're going to see God intervene on your behalf. So there's a whole bunch, a list of things that you can do to clothe yourself in humility. Accepting authority of leaders, allowing God-appointed people to speak into your life. Have humility in your marriage by listening to understand. Asking for input. Say, hey, what do you think about this? Willingness to listen. Hearing and obeying God's word. If the word of God says it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tremble at his word. That's part of humility. Owning your mistakes. Like, don't blame shift. Just say, hey, I could have done better I'm sorry. And then be thankful. Thankful. Being thankful immunizes us from pride. Amen. Hallelujah. Be thankful. And one of the most beautiful things of being thankful is that you are present. If you say with a family or friends or loved ones, when, when, you, when you are thankful in the moment, you're like, Wow. Thank you, God, that we can be here. Thank you for your friend or spouse or the you know, opportunity to be together on a holiday or whatever it might be. When, when the moment you are thankful, you become present. Instead of always um, on a mission for something else, you're not present. You're missing your loved ones. No, thanksgiving enables us to be present. And say it. Say it to your loved ones. Say it to family. Say it to friends. Hey, I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you are doing. Okay, so quickly to end off with a few things about Thanksgiving. Number one, Thanksgiving is the gates of heaven. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. It's the gate. It's the gate into heaven. It's the gate into his presence and into his courts Sorry, with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. God, thank you for all you have given to us. Thank you for opportunities. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for health. God, thank you for opportunities. God, thank you. So Andrew Murray said, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. And through thanksgiving, we, we are immunized from the lie, the deception of pride, that we are self-made or we have achieved it or we have earned it. Another aspect of thanksgiving, it gives us wings to fly. So let's say you're going through difficult things. So you're complaining, you're criticizing, you're finding fault. You're negative, and you find yourself like descending into a pit, an abyss of negativity and darkness. The moment you begin to be thankful, it's like you're adding a helium balloon to you, and it starts to lift you up. Another th something to be thankful for. Thank you, Lord, for this. And then you start lifting higher, and then another something to be thankful for, and it lifts you higher. Thanksgiving, in the midst of trials, tribulations, storms, and things, the moment you realize how much you have, it's like... Okay, this isn't so bad. It lifts you up. Okay, so it gives you wings to fly. Another one, thankfulness is the door to happiness. 
It's the door to true happiness. 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry, not, carry nothing out. So what, what, what does it mean? It means that somebody with a lot of things, they're rich, can be very unhappy. And those who have very little, but they are thankful for what they have, can be extremely, extremely happy. So are you counting your blessings? Are you counting your blessings? I mean, with Sonic and I, we do this often. I mean, if we would be working in a secular work environment, we would be earning, say, three times what we're earning right now or more. But now we are, we are so rich, not financially, but we are so rich because we're counting our blessings, our family, our environment, life. Life is beautiful because we're thankful. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing the good that you have in your life? Are you counting your blessings? Do you have eyes to see the good? It's not about how much you have. It's about being thankful for what you do have. It is the door to happiness. And then lastly, thanksgiving gives us eyes to see the goodness of God. Psalm 150. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Why should everything that has breath praise the Lord? Because the breath comes from Him. It comes from God. You would not be here if God didn't make you. So help me out here for a moment. Breathe in deeply. Okay, I'm going to breathe out, but you can just keep it there. I'm kidding. Why did you just breathe? What, what oxygen? Where does that come from? It comes from this planet, this world that God designed. He made this world inhabitable. We don't know of any other planet in the universe that is inhabitable. God made this place inhabitable so that there would be oxygen so that you can breathe it. That oxygen comes from Him. And then your lungs? Where does that come from? It was designed by God. I mean, just go check it out. Your lungs, if it has to be folded open, would be bigger than a tennis court. All the folds make it possible for you to breathe. It is incredibly designed so that you can breathe, so that you can function, so you can get enough oxygen into your body, so that what? So that you can give praise to Him. Amen. That just stirs thanksgiving in me. Our ability to hear our ability to sing beautiful songs. Oh, our ability. There's so much that God has given to us. So I want us to, I want to play you a, a pentatonics video. It's a, a cappella. It's no actual instruments. It's all voices. I want you to hear this. I want, to hear, I want you to hear the beauty of these voices as they sing hallelujah. And then I want to show you something. Okay, let's play. I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, 
So imagine for a moment you couldn't hear that. Imagine for a moment you didn't have ears to hear the sort of angelic voices. Your hearing is a gift. You were designed by God to hear. But we take it for granted just to hear. We take it for granted to be able to see, to see color. We take it for granted to be able to walk around or feel. There's so much that we can and should be thankful for. But imagine, I mean, you, you're just seeing, but you, you, you can't hear those beautiful voices. Thanksgiving is, immunizes us from pride because we realize every good thing comes from God himself. And so we as mankind, we use our gifts and we tend to glorify self. Look at me, how beautiful I am singing or what I am doing. Instead of realizing, no, it's, it was, you, you were given that to bring glory to God. You were given that voice. You were given that ability to bring glory to God. What if you and I, in every moment of the day, every moment of our lives, would live to give glory, to bring glory to God and say, God, thank you so much. For all that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, for all you have made available to us. So thanksgiving gives us eyes to see. Let's listen to the last bit. Someone mentioned that 
this was recorded in 2016, that they, they knew COVID was coming because they were already social distancing. <laughs> Praise God. Awesome. Okay, so here's your challenge for, for, for December. How about counting your blessings to be alive, to have a relationship with Christ, to have hope, to be able to see, to hear? What if you and I would count our blessings, truly count our blessings, and we would position ourselves in a place where the grace of God can be poured out into us. How about this challenge? This December, be thankful for your loved ones. Say it. Tell them, hey, love you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for your sacrifices. Thank you for your investment in my life. How about saying it? And then how about not only being thankful and counting your blessings, but sharing your blessings? Jesus didn't sit in heaven like, oh, wow, I'm so blessed. Thank you, Father. He said, I am so blessed. I'm going to come down to earth. I'm going to share my relationship with my heavenly Father with everybody. That is the mind of Christ. Let's serve one another. Let's invest in one another. Let's value the people in our lives. Let's show it through action, through service, through our words, through our praise. It can make all the difference. It can, it can cause your December to be a beautiful December. Where you're present. Where you have eyes to see the goodness of God. Where you immunize from pride. And when you are humble, then God exalts us. Then God draws near to us. Thank you for listening. Find more on Showfire East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.